Kelly just came back from camp in Tucson, Arizona. Kelly, are you smashed? It always sounds like we're talking about summer camp and I was like making s'mores and (laughs) sitting around a fire. That's not what you were doing? (laughs) No. Yeah, I'm not like... So I've been having some health issues. So I couldn't actually like really smash myself as much as one usually does at training camp. I really had to like keep it within myself because other years at camp, which is like, to be clear, I go to training camp with my coach and like the other people who train with my coach, Hillary Biscay, so that like we all like work out together. The other years I've gone, I mean, I always have a full on meltdown. One year climbing up Mount Lemmon, which is like the big mountain outside Tucson, I got to the top and you like descend at the top. And so I was essentially done and I was descending. Yeah, it's weird. You have like at about mile 20, you've still got sort of five or six miles to go, but you start descending and then climbing. It's really hard after climbing. Anyway, I'll give you that. Yeah, but like with that part is essentially done, right? Like you're basically done with the hard work. And I started like sobbing, Sarah. And then I was like sobbing and being like, don't sob. You're descending. You're going to die. And when I finally got there, I had to like, I had to like excuse myself to go to the bathroom because I didn't want to like freak people out. But did you sob because like, what was your reason for the crying? I mean, oh God. Like, the crying always has to be logical. <laughs> Tell me I, your like, you're like, what was your reason? Right. You're like, the reason was like, it was hard. Right. Like, what was the, like, I feel like there's never a logical reason for crying. I got dropped and I was convinced that this was the slowest anyone had like ever ridden this and I was wasting my life. And if I was just going to be this terrible, why don't I just like do something else with my free time? And I was a joke and I should quit triathlon. That's pretty much the sum of it. And and how quickly did you realize after that that wasn't true? I think we had to like descend the whole mountain (laughs) and then like run. And then I was like, oh, okay, I'm okay. So cool. But you've been to plenty of camps. I feel like this is like as weird as non-triathlon people think it is. It's actually very, it's not very weird. common. Yeah, I have. Yes. I was thinking about this earlier for the show. I have a few funny stories, but I thought of one from a camp, Darren's camp. So Darren Smith, high profile coach in our sport. I was coached by him for many years and we were going to France, I think for about three weeks. And I'd been on Darren's camps before. So I knew that the chance of me having a meltdown sometime during the camp were very high. So I, I think to- it's like a hundred percent for everyone. Yeah. And I think like, yeah. and also like Darren has this way of making it extremely intense for everybody. Like he has this special way of like, if you're someone who can't handle, who can't handle that kind of stress and want to learn coping skills, like his camp is the place to be because he lays it on. Anyway, so <laughs> we're there and I had, I had like prearranged my accommodation because I knew that if we left it to Darren, which I'd done in the past, he would pack you in like sardines with like 50 million people in a freaking tiny little apartment or something. So I booked my own place for myself and a friend of mine. And then Darren booked the place above us, right? And he like okay. packed everybody in. And then had two people in like an unfinished attic. So literally we had an entire condo, two bedroom condo, like not a condo, like a, it was attached to a farmhouse by ourselves. And then <laughs> they were like, are these details? <laughs> they were like, no, no. They were like packed in upstairs. So the entire time I felt guilty. Right. And at some point, two weeks into the camp, he decided that it wasn't fair that we had our own place. And he literally moved three people into our condo while we were out for a ride one day. They nice. came back. There's like two junior boys and another woman who was going to like sleep in the same room as my friend Louisa. And I just like fucking lost my shit on him. The place belonged to my friend's grandmother because we'd been in this place before. 
and uh, his grandmother didn't speak any English. And her like, I still remember her quote is like she after my shouting that she could hear in the next room or whatever, <laughs> she called my friend and was like, les athletes. Il crack. <laughs> and, you, and you don't have to understand French to know <laughs> that she was talking about me like utterly cracking. So I'll, I'll never forget that. Okay. I, you know, I'm with you though. That is, that is fucked up. <laughs> it's fucked up. <laughs> okay. So coming up on the show this week, we talk about entrepreneur life, uh, the insanity that was the Boston Marathon. We have a couple voicemails this week. And what is up with women's specific gear? Live Feisty's If We Were Riding is brought to you by Ass Kicker Inc., whose boutique line of activewear for women features positive uplifting messages such as strong is the new skinny and I can, I will, end of story. You can support the podcast get 20% off with the code RIDING at AskKickerInc, Inc. with a K, If We Were Riding is also proud to be sponsored by Crave Jerky. Crave Jerky is low in fat, a good source of protein, gluten-free, yay, and contains all natural ingredients. You can support the podcast and get 20% off your online orders by using the code RIDING at CraveJerky.com. That is Crave with a K. I'm Kelly O'Mara. And I'm Sarah Gross. And you're listening to Live Feisties If We Were Riding. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop this time like the last time. You better get ready to race in the to do this. Show you what the truth is. I step on the field. It's time to get real. I'm feeling so ruthless. You haven't actually been going to camps though lately, Sarah, right? No, I'm on like solo entrepreneur boot camp freaking all the time right now. So what is, what is that like? (laughs) Tell us. I have to tell you. Well, (laughs) earlier today when I emailed you, being an entrepreneur is so fucking hard. I'm just at this weird stage with the Live Feisty business where, you know, you come through the first phase and it goes well. So, you know, we launched a couple podcasts. I launched the website. Things are going well. I got a couple you know, brands and companies who wanted to sponsor us, you know, you get a few hundred dollars in the door. You think this is amazing. And then there's like, I'm sure every business owner goes through this. There's like that next phase where you realize like the gap between the few hundred dollars that I've been able to make in advertising money and what I actually need to make the business go is like massive. And so I'm just kind of like in that place. And I knew I was going to hit this at some point. It's not like this is a big surprise, but I'm just facing that big darkness of like, how do I make this work? So that's where I'm at right now. That's my camp. Oh, good. Not to like bring everybody down. <laughs> but you guys, you're plowing ahead. You guys are going to Ironman Texas to do yes. Facebook live coverage videos next. Is that next weekend? It's, it's next, next week. week. Yeah. So the race is on August 28th. It's a Saturday. Not race. August. Oh, sorry. April. April. <laughs> See, that's right. how much I'm losing it. <laughs> you can't even believe me. Yeah. So, and I have to say like today I had a big encouragement because the pro women, they've been so amazing. So I started reaching out to people today to, to set up the live interviews for Wednesday and Thursday next week. And literally within two hours, I had set up 11 interviews. Like I sent the emails and people responded right away. So yay, pro women. We're coming. So we're interview. actually going to take next week off for the podcast because you'll yes. be videoing mm-hmm. live. Um, from our Facebook page, from our Iron Women Facebook page. So that's exactly. So if follow. you want your Sarah fix, you're going to have to go 
to Iron Woman Facebook next week. Exactly. Did you have time to watch Boston, though, on Monday? I didn't actually watch the race. Sorry, no. I watched kind of on Twitter. You know, I saw the update. I know. I feel like I feel like watching races in this day and age is like, I followed it on Twitter. Right. I <laughs> saw the gifts. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That it was, was crazy, though. Mm. The Boston Marathon on Monday. I was skeptical at first and everyone was like, oh, it's bad weather because runners are soft and they're always like, oh, it was cold because it was like five degrees colder than their ideal or like, oh, it was windy because there was a wind, right there. So I was skeptical, but then I saw the photos and it was legitimately insanely terrible. It looked like. Yeah, well, it was the wind, I think, right? Like that on top of the cold, it seemed like there were some pretty hellacious winds happening out there. I mean, when the elite women are in like full raincoats and mittens, you know, it's terrible. And so did I read this right? That a full, like over 50% of the elites were dropping out. Oh yeah. That, right? I mean the, that's so insane. The all DNF rate is usually like last year was 3%, which like, it sounds like a normal DNF rate, right? 3% sounds low to me. No, well, overall. And then like this year it went up to four and a half. So that's like a pretty big jump in a year, obviously. Mm -hmm. But among the elites, it was ridiculous. It was like, Nine of the 16 elite women didn't finish, which is wow. like just over 50%. And 15 of the 24 men didn't finish. Wow. Which is basically if you finished, you would have been top 10. That's what that wow. comes down to. I mean, to be fair, they don't have any body fat. So I know. Okay. So actually like overall, um, I included this in the newsletter, more women, like the dropout rate for women was lower than men. I mean, particularly if you compare it to like the increase in dropouts, does that make sense? So like how many women dropped out last year versus how many women dropped out this year? It's like didn't increase like at all, but like way more wow. men dropped out. And in the elite fields, like it was way higher for the men. So, I mean, you could theorize that it's like body fat, but I don't think the elite women have any body fat either. They don't. No, no. I don't think that's it. What do you think it is? Well, I think there's like some sociological aspects, right? Which is the whole... Like if someone tells you you can't do something, like you're going to make sure you, it's the same reason like the elite women at Kona have higher finish rates than the elite men. Cause like, by God, if we're not going to get equal spots, we're going to prove that we deserve the ones we've got. You know right. what I mean? Like it's that. Right. Oh, and then, but then all the naysayers take the final finishing time of the slowest woman in the program. People are stupid. And, yeah. <laughs> But there's also like decent research out there, obviously, like when you've studied different aspects of physiology, women do have like certain things like they endure better, right? Like they last like longer. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they can give birth for like 48 hours, right? Like they like women have this like capacity to just be miserable. For so a we're going to give it to the women. We're going to say that we're giving it being to the women. a woman will help you finish the Boston Marathon in better conditions. Well, only in these conditions, we think. Sorry, in bad conditions is what I meant. Right, right. The women's race was pretty crazy, though. Desi Linden won the American, which was a huge deal. But then the woman who came second was a full-time nurse. Did you see this? She, like... I did. This was her second marathon ever. She trains at like 4 a.m. before she goes to work at the hospital. And now she was second at the Boston Marathon. I know. And, and our same thing with our Canadian woman who came third. Like she's 41 years old. She's got three kids. She's, she did Boston once 11 years ago or something. I mean, it's crazy. It just opened it up, right? It just like it bust did. open the race and allowed opportunities for people who might not otherwise have them or just for being tough. Right. Right. Cause I mean, cause by God, that 40 year old with three kids like knows how to endure. Yeah. She shit. Sure does. Yeah. Yeah. 
I love it. Um, and we had a couple voicemails this week. Uh, one from your mom, of course. Hey, I heard a woman, an American woman, won the Boston Marathon. Go America. Go women. Yay. I agree with Sarah that it's really cool for the Boston Marathon people, the Boston Athletic Association, to announce that they are accepting trans women as women. We know they've been running all along. Kelly's right. Nobody at the expo at check-in is sending them off to check their gender. That would be ridiculous. I do think it's funny that people are all up in arms about, oh my God, trans women are being allowed to run as women. Ah. If you're worried about getting beat by a trans woman, there are probably bigger things you could be doing to improve your time. Like, I don't know, train more. And our podcast editor here at Live Feisty, Erin, she's actually a trans woman. So she had, she actually had some thoughts about Boston's trans policy. To be honest, I felt a little funny because we've had a few discussions in general lately on Live Feisty about trans issues around and sport and gender and sport. And it felt weird to not get her input. So I was really glad to hear from her. Hi, everyone. It's your editor, Erin Hamilton. I just wanted to give my take on the Boston Marathon's new transgender policy they announced recently. Hearing that this will be the first year that the Boston Marathon will allow openly transgendered athletes to compete under the gender they identify with was really exciting to hear. It's truly a big step in the right direction for our community to feel included and safe at sporting events like the Boston Marathon. The only requirement they have is that you qualify for the race under the gender you currently identify with, which is how it really should be. There are a few wrinkles with this announcement that I would like to address. First, I'm not sure what the point was of making this announcement beyond being a headline or a positive PR. The Boston Marathon is saying trans women are women and trans men are men. So honestly, nothing really changes beyond it being written down somewhere. Second, they still require athletes to provide photo identification with their name and gender on it. This becomes a problem for many in the trans community. Some states, and I'm sure some areas around the world, don't allow you to change your gender marker on your identification card. So you'll have discrepancies where the name matches but not the gender. I would like to see the Boston Marathon take the next step and not really look at the gender marker on these identification cards if they really want to break down barriers. Third, the policy really only details trans women and trans men. But what about non-binary and gender non-conforming individuals? How can we make these events open to everyone in the LGBTQ community? It's truly time that sports evolve beyond gender. That's the conversation about policy changes we should be having. Thank you very much and enjoy listening to the rest of the show. Okay, so we're also going to open up, open up the phone lines to the listeners. And if you don't, okay, we don't actually have phone lines, guys. Here's what you have to do. Record a voice memo on your phone. This is very simple. And then email it to us. Okay. Keep it like under a minute. I'm sure you have lots of thoughts, but keep it under a minute. Okay. So that was your explanation. Okay. So if you, that's my explanation, a voice memo, like Google voice memo, uh, not Google search voice memo on your phone. And it's, and then just. 
press record okay. and talk into it. And most phones need- will have an audio app, right? Oh my God, Sarah, do you need me to explain how phones work? I'm just saying it just in case someone doesn't know. Yes. Okay. So the phone lines, the hypothetical phone lines are open and we want to hear from you if you have thoughts on what we're saying. Uh, the one thing I have heard from a bunch of people about this week was uh, the story I included in the newsletter about women's specific gear and what does this really mean? Well, that was because, a super interesting story, by the way. Yeah. Um, the girl who wrote it like used to be an editor of mine at Bicycling Magazine. Anyway, she's cool. But we've been hearing more and more about women's gear, women's specific gear in the last couple of years. And obviously, to, we all know, I think we all can acknowledge there's some just marketing to that, right? Like it's not all like a real thing. Yeah. And I don't think, you know, she said in the article that the shrink it and pink it days are gone or whatever, but I'm not sure they're completely gone. Like, I think sometimes it's just a color change. For sure. But in like serious, but there are also a lot, a lot of serious manufacturers and retailers that are trying to find, figure out like what does need to be women specific. And that's, I think the really interesting thing is when you get down to the science, like what does like being women specific mean? Are there really gendered differences? Do we really need like different shoes? Like, I'm not sure we do. Um, there was also after like talking about this and thinking about this, there was also in triathlete magazine this month, which everyone should read so they can read my column. And while you're reading my column, <laughs> then you should read there about design. Mm-hmm. There is also a couple of things about the design of bikes and running shoes around gender. And what was interesting is that bike company, like when you talk about bike design and if you need women specific bikes, for example, Specialized like took all this data because they bought Retool, the fitting system. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm yeah. yeah. So they took all the retool data and like tried to look at it and figure out, are there specific things that like we can say, you know, correlate to women, female riders, they need these kinds of bikes, you know? Mm-hmm. And they just like couldn't, they couldn't correlate gender to bike frame. And so when you say that, you mean like bike frame and sizing, right? Yeah. Because some of the specifics like the saddles, I think we talked about handlebar width. Right. That's what I'm saying. Ultimately, they decided they're not making gender specific bike frames, but they are going to make saddles, handlebars, cranks that you can like then, you know, for women, for men. Because it turned out that it just, they couldn't find a difference between our reason that a 5'2 man automatically needed a different bike than a 5'2 woman. Right. And so that's what I think is interesting is that with some things, honestly, it's more just short people, shorter people right. and taller people or right. more muscular people, less muscular people or wh- whatever the designation is, isn't always gendered. So you're right. Like, I feel like if you make a woman specific thing and it's the small thing on the market, right? Like does the 5'2 guy then have to buy a pink bike? <laughs> like... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, but the other thing that was crazy though is that like Giant, which owns Live, you know, the women's bike company. Yes. They also looked at data. They use just like government, CDC, military data. And they say there are differences and they will continue to like they make a women specific frame because they, you know, they can point to women have longer legs and wider hips or whatever, right? Which also makes sense. Which like, I mean, that like logic, but so I was like, it's funny to me that we can't even agree if women need like a different thing or not. Yeah. See, I don't find that funny yet because we don't have like, there's not enough pool of data, you know, like they only just started, like you said, specialized bought retool and now they have data. Whereas a science has done, what do you call it? Research on men for so long that the, the, the pool of data is bigger on male athletes than it is on female athletes. And we know this. So I think it might just take a little time till we figure out 
if there are needs that are specifically gendered or if it's more just, you know, or if some items are just more beginner oriented or more for short people. Right. Obviously, then when you talk about like aggregate and gender, you're like on the aggregate, women want more things that are beginners. But that's annoying as fuck. Yes. If you want like if you want a high end time trial bike for a five foot two woman, like there are not a ton of female specific options. I actually remember a story you told me about trying to buy a helmet and you were trying to buy like a performance road helmet. And the person right. was trying to sell you the one with a ponytail holder. In all fairness, it is very handy. But yeah, it was like it was like a $20 helmet versus the $200 one I wanted. But and the ponytail holder, right. It's about why why not make the performance helmet with the ponytail holder as well? Right. So that's the other problem when you start to look at data and like overall, you get to the thing with overall that's like on the whole, the data tells us women don't want high performance stuff or women don't want, you know, whatever the backpack with too many pockets or the thing that's driving me nuts right now is the whole, I think this is fascinating. Not everyone else thinks this is fascinating. Some people will tune out, but don't tune out. Don't tune out. Heart rate monitor straps. I have never met a woman who like can wear them without chafing. Right. And largely most women I know just don't wear them running anymore because like we all got like scars. We just like, don't do it anymore. It's like not a thing. Right. Yeah, that's true. You, I'm assuming you don't, it's true. And for a while there was like, there are sports bars out there that have them built in. Lululemon even designed one at one point, but they never caught on and it like went out of production yet. Men still like, it's not like people don't use heart rate monitor straps still. Right. Like whether or not you believe in it as a training tool is a separate argument, but it is a tool that women are foregoing because like they have not designed this gear for us. Yeah, that's, a, that's actually a good Drives point. me fucking crazy. Side point. Do you have any women's specific products that you actually well, like? Well, that is my one thing. I right now like would really like someone to design a cute bra that I can like clip a, you know, Garmin heart rate monitor into. Do you have any that are working? Yeah, yeah. Though, like I already? have like a shitty Adidas sports bra that has a built-in heart rate monitor. But it's okay. like it's it's like a shitty bra. I'm like about to buy a uh, watch with wrist-based heart rate because of this problem, which is like, ugh. Okay, does the wrist-based work? Now we're totally in the rabbit oh hole. Oh my god, does it work? Well, allegedly, <laughs> the last time I had one three or four years ago, it was terrible, and I stopped using it. Allegedly, it's gotten a lot better, according to like the super in the weeds gear reviewers who have like compared multiple heart rate straps and watches it now like is within 98% accuracy. So it's like, you know, but there's all these caveats. It has to like fit your wrist, but still I feel like I shouldn't have to buy a $600 watch just because you can't design a thing that like women can wear. True. Are there like women specific things that have driven you crazy in gear that you like really want I have like a, okay, I have a thing to like cheer and slash gripe at the same time. <laughs> so like I can remember back to the days where they didn't have women's cut t-shirts. Like t oh, or I actually hate women's tech cut clothing. t-shirts generally. Right. Or like tech yeah. clothing where it was always baggy. Like I really like them. So like when they started introducing or when it became more mainstream to have women's cuts on t-shirts and tech clothing that I was like, yay. Um, but my gripe is that now as a business owner, like when I go to order t-shirts, if I want, like, let's say I want to have live feisty on hundreds of t-shirts and be able to give them out and have like cheap t-shirts just for advertising. Right. right? I can't, I have to get like the box t men's t-shirts and then the women's ones they cost, cost more. sometimes like sometimes quadruple. You know what though? It's ridiculous. When race t-shirts went to having like women specific about six or seven years ago, 
Mm-hmm. I like refused to take them for a good few years. And I would still want the men's ones because they all had the like, they were all like cut high on the sides and had the little like cap sleeves. And I was like, what am I supposed to do with a running shirt that is like tiny and V-neck? This is terrible. Oh, oh, I like my tiny V-neck. I'm like, no, no. I hate, I like wouldn't, (laughs) now they're like better and they're like more normal. We progressed, but God, at first I hated that. So the other thing that drives me crazy sometimes is like, you know, I've been going to the CrossFit box. And <laughs> sorry, I have to pause there. Number, actually, we had some comments about that because people were like, do you know that that is another word for female genitalia? I'm like, yes, that's why we laughed. So no, much. I did not. That is not another word for female you genitalia in the U.S. I don't think so. It's not. All right, people, send us voicemails and let us know if this is another word for female genitalia in the U.S. I think this is oh, a Canadian thing. That's why I was laughing so hard about the box. Anyway. <laughs> So, okay, they like the lightest kettlebells, like whatever they are, the six pound ones, whatever they are, are like pink. Oh, no, they're black at my box. So they're. Yeah. <laughs> so I was just like, what the what? It's almost yeah. like women want lots of different things and there isn't one set agreement. Right. 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 The one thing I thought was funny was there was a little cartoon on that, on the Medium article about the, the women's industry. And there was like, I think it was golf bags and they had the women's specific model and one and then like men's designs. And then it was like comes in 85 different types. Right, right. And so that is choice is part of the problem because there are as many women as there are, there's different needs, right? There you go, guys. We just solved all design problems. So guys stay tuned because after the credits, Kelly and I are going to ask, how do you break a bone while cycling? We would like to thank our sponsors, Ass Kicker Inc. and Crave Jerky. You can support the podcast and get 20% off by using the code RIDING, that's R-I-D-I-N-G, at asskickerinc, inc with a K, dot com. And Crave Jerky, crave with a K, dot com. If you don't already, follow us on all the social medias at If We Were Riding on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And make sure you subscribe to our feed on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. If We Were Riding is hosted by Kelly O'Mara and me, Sarah Gross. Our fabulous editor is Aaron Hamilton. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop this time like the last time. You better get ready to race in the top. I'm ready to do this, show you what the truth is. I step on the field, it's time to get real. I'm feeling so ruthless. So we talked about Oceanside a couple, it was like two weeks ago now, the 70.3 down in Southern California. And Holly Lawrence, who got second, posted on Instagram after the race that she broke her ankle while biking like heard it snap and then did the whole run because she like didn't want people to think she was a quitter after dropping out of worlds last year. And now she has like, she's in a boot. She has a broken ankle. So multiple people have emailed me and been like, how do you break your ankle? Just like riding. Well, I think, okay. I think that you have a stress fracture that you don't know about to begin with, like a small one. I feel like, and then it just happens to crack. Would you have to like like, turn your foot a certain way? Good question. Like from the sheer force, could you break it? Although maybe, maybe she, like, maybe. I don't know. Cause I feel like if I you're just know. pedaling, most cycling injuries are repetitive motion injuries, right? So you like feel them coming before they're full blown. 
You know what I'm saying? Like that generally that is true, right? Yeah. Although I had an athlete once who had a stress fracture she didn't know about in her foot and she was literally walking to the start line. So she had been doing all her running training right. for Ironman. You know, she'd done 30 plus K runs on this foot and then just walking on the beach, literally on the start line. It was freaking heartbreaking where her foot just cracked. She just heard crack and that was it. It was broken. So she was obviously carrying the stress fracture, but why would it break then and not like say the run she did the day before? Right, right. That makes sense. So, but you can see some crazy videos. If you go online, if you want to see people like breaking bones by sheer force, there are like videos of people weightlifting or doing arm wrestling where people break. Yeah. They're like, if you want to see something horrifying, go there. And just a reminder before we go to watch our Facebook live videos next week from Texas. Our podcast partner Crave Jerky is hosting a find your fit contest from now through June 2018. All you have to do is post a selfie while working out. That should be easy for our listeners. And you could win $300 in gift cards from Flywheel, class pass or Gayam yoga and of course crave product use hashtag crave better and hashtag sweepstakes entry one caveat though you must be a u.s resident 18 years or older to enter also hashtag live feisty so we can see your entry too details will be posted in the show notes for this podcast on livefeisty.com <laughs>